turn to Acts chapter 2 tonight, please. Acts chapter 2, a record in the early church, which is the same church of the body to which you and I belong. This is why, as all Christendom says, that the day of Pentecost is the birthday of the church, and if the church of the body to which you and I belong had its birthday then, I had a birthday once, I'm still Victor Paul Wirwell, therefore the church of the body has to be the same today as it was then. And the things they did then we ought to be doing if we belong to that church. Like the word of God said, I would you all speak in tongues. Well, if that's part of the church, do it. If what is true that some theologians have said it all died with the apostles, then what are we doing trying to play church? Because there's nothing left. If it's dead, it's dead. This is why the great record in the Word of God is the only thing that teaches the accuracy of God's Word and makes that will of God known to us. For no man can know the will of God without knowing the Word of God. He'll just guess and guess and guess. And life is too short, people, to guess. In that second chapter, in verse 46, it said, And they, these are the early believers, the apostles, continued daily in one accord. One accord means unity of purpose in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat, their bread, their food with gladness and singleness of heart. Singleness of heart literally is undivided loyalty. They were committed to God and his word. They had experienced the new birth. They had manifested the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, verse 747, they were praising whom? God. And having favor with all the people. It doesn't say all the unbelievers. You don't have favor with the unbelievers. You have grace and favor among the household, the body of believers. And the Lord, the Lord added to the church daily, or the Lord added daily those who were being saved. The Lord added daily. The reason the Lord could add daily is because the men were out witnessing daily. They were holding forth God's word. They were sharing. They were telling them what God had done for them, how they had been born again, how they had been filled, how they had been delivered. That's the early church people. This is how they lived. This is how they operated. There are some people who have been born again of God's Spirit for 30 years, working in factories and shops, and the person next to them never knew it. I want to tell you, how can you have something so dynamic, so tremendous, so revolutionary as the new birth, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and never tell anybody about it? That's right. People, all you need to get is a case of measles, and they know you got measles. And if you want to commute them, communicate them, get among the receivers. Move among the people. How can anybody be born again, saved, redeemed, justified, sanctified, 
raised from death unto life for all men are dead in trespasses and sins and without God and without hope until they're born again. How can somebody who is spiritually dead get alive and for all his years clam it up with si inside that nobody even knows it? That is almost impossible for me to apprehend and I guarantee you I couldn't comprehend it. You get so wonderful for God and you know God's word, you get so hot, if you haven't got anybody to talk to, you'd walk up to a lamppost that a dog was standing at and talk to it, or a fire hydrant or something. Right. You just get so effervescing on the inside, you've got to tell somebody or explode. Right. Remember the first time you knew you were saved? Wow. The first time you realized God had really saved you and that you had passed from death unto life, that he had forgiven you all your trespasses, your remission of all of your sins. Boy, for the first time, what did you feel like? There was no building big enough you could have jumped off of because you were higher than the building. You see... The word of God and the deliverance of God is so fantastic, it again makes a woman feel like a real woman, makes a man feel like a real man. And that's the word. It does it. The word does it. Peter and John were among those people praising God and they were out witnessing and the Lord was adding Daily, the Lord was adding to the church those who were being saved, and nobody gets saved without the word. Faith cometh by what? And hearing by what? So therefore you got to have the word in order to get born again. Else you just get a psychiatric treatment. You can get that in a hospital on a couch or in somebody's back room. But we don't, it's not the new feeling we get that saves us. It's the newness of life, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what saves us. Feelings come and go, but the word of God liveth and abideth how long? That's right. Boy. All Peter and John, verse chapter 3, went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, which would correspond to our 3 p.m. in the afternoon approximately. There were five hours of prayer, as you know. The first hour is six, the third, nine, the whatever it is, 12 noon, three, and then six, approximately. And a certain man, a certain man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. They laid him where? At the gate of the temple, the gate called beautiful. They laid him there daily, daily, daily. Now ask yourself this question. Did Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry go to the temple? If this man laid at that gate of the temple called beautiful, which is the main gate, that you would enter to go into worship, did Jesus Christ most likely pass him in any of his 30 years of life? 
Now let me ask you a question. How come he didn't heal him? Did he love him? Sure he loved him. How come he didn't? He saw him lying there. He saw him there. He was laid there daily. Jesus come in the temple, walked right by him. Never delivered him. Never set him free. Never. That's a question you have to answer. Why didn't he? There's only one answer left, and you'll never know it until you understand manifestations of the Spirit. He had no revelation. Jesus Christ had no revelation to do what? Set him free. That's right. Had no revelation. I want to tell you something. God doesn't need any revelation. He knows everything. Try. Right. You think about it. You just think about it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, then Jesus Christ couldn't be God. That's right. <laughs> Boy, they laid him daily at the gate of the temple to ask alms of or from them that entered in the temple. Now, I know a lot about this man because I know biblical culture and a little bit about the word here, there, and yonder. And this, this man who was lame was from a wealthy family. He didn't need any money. If he'd have needed money, they'd have laid him at the place where the merchants negotiate, sell their products. Then when the merchants have money, they immediately give it to the people. They even do this in the East yet. That's right. Today, this man didn't need money because he was the child of a wealthy family. There is a great indication in God's Word that his parents most likely belonged to the Levite family that took, Levite, that took care of the temple services. Maybe his father was a captain, I don't know. But they laid him at the temple gate. The thing that has tripped people up is that he asked alms from them that entered in the temple. If he didn't need money, what, he was, what was he asking alms for? He was asking alms to show that he was poverty-stricken, that there was something in his life he did not have that he wanted and needed. He was lame. He was lame. Class, he was lame. And therefore, even though he didn't meet, need any money, he was begging for alms to show that he had a need. That's why that man was begging for alms. Not that he needed to buy another hamburger at the Rock of Ages or something. <laughs> right. Who seeing, verse 3, Peter and John, about to go in the temple, asked an alms. Verse 4, the word and is the word but in contrast. Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us, and there's the revelation. They had passed by him like Jesus had time and time again. But the man's hour had never come because the man had never been at the position for it to come. Here's the man's hour. The time for this man's deliverance. It has arrived because that man's believing, 
that man's whole being has risen up. And when he was asking alms, God gave revelation to Peter, and the revelation was, number one, he fastened his eyes on him. And that simply means he looked him straight in the eyeball, just like that. Looked him straight in the eyeball, just like that. Before that, you know, you glance at people like, I walk by, I look in your eyes, keep going, right? That's what had happened previous. But this time, class, this time, God moved in Peter's life by revelation, and he looked him straight in the eye. He fastened his eyes on him, and he said what? Look at what? What did it say? Look at us. Look at us. Peter the old egotist and John. No, 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 no. A whole principle of healing involved here. Number one, revelation. Number two, you have to get people's attention. You have to get people's attention. If people will not believe in you and what God has in you, they're not going to get delivered when you pray for them or minister to them. They've got to believe that God is in you. You've got to get people's attention. You people out as WOWs and witnessing people, you get people's attention by your walk, by your talk, by the way you dress, by the way you handle yourself in public. Then when you start rapping the word, it's just like the floodgates of heaven open for them. So the first thing they had was revelation. He looked him straight in the eye, and then he said, look on us, look on us. Quit looking down, look on us. Look on us. Look on us. What else do you do? <laughs> the man gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. To receive is to lambano. It's not decomai. That's an interesting thing. He expected, he expected to receive to lambano something. He expected to lambano. Don't you see it? To receive is lambano. He expected something. All the theologians and all the commentaries say he was looking for money in the, in the tin cup. I don't believe that. Then the word would be decomite. Isn't decomite lambano? The lambano is to manifest. That's right. <laughs> Expecting to lambano. Expecting to lambano. Something of them, from them. This will all show up again. Well, in the next verse almost. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. <laughs> that made Peter poverty stricken. No. But you see, that's been the damnable teaching. Peter, Peter and those had no money. You know, they, they'd given all their clothes away. They'd given all their property away. They had nothing left. They were poverty-stricken. So all they could do was beg. No! 
doesn't say that in the Word, and you have no right putting it in the Word, because it's not there. The Word's just the opposite. The Word says that God will supply all of our need according to His riches and glory through whom? Above all things, beloved, I wish above all things that you may stay poor. That's right. He said what? And when the day comes that the unbeliever is profiting more than you are, there's something wrong with you, not with God. It's you. That's all. <laughs> the reason Peter said, silver and gold have I none, no problem, you just didn't bring any. You want to go through my pockets? I suppose now I'm poverty-stricken. I just haven't got any with me. That's all it said. That's all it means. He was going to the temple. He wasn't going out to buy hamburgers. That's right. He wasn't going to negotiate for an automobile. If he'd have been negotiating for an automobile, taking money along. That's right. I don't have any money tonight. That doesn't mean I'm poverty-stricken. Shoot, go to Howard Allen. He's got it. I can get it. <laughs> oh, shoot. He sometimes gets disgusted with me, I think, because I give it away all the time. And he's got to keep supplying it. You know? Oh, bless his heart. <laughs> The rest of the verse says, such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right, get up and take a walk. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Reminds me of Frederick, the old German emperor, remember? The old boy made a trip to Rome. The Pope said, you get over here. And they were having a little fight, I guess. And Frederick, he was in the middle of it. So I guess he went to Rome, according to history, and the Pope left him stand outside barefoot in the snow for about two or three hours. And the longer old Fred stood there, the matter he got, I guess. Till finally he had the interview, and the Pope was telling him how he ought to stay loyal to the church, faithful to it. And he, he showed him a lot of things, you know, the stuff they had there, apparently, and finally the Pope said to him, look, he said, we today in the church to which you also belong, we don't have to say silver and gold have we none. And old Frederick looked the Pope straight in the eye and he said, neither can you say in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Right. Peter said, such as I have, I give. Boy, what a tremendous truth. You can't give anything away you haven't got. So the first thing you have to do is get born again of God's spirit. Secondly, put on the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You put on the mind of Christ. Now you're equipped to give it away. 
Now you can share because you've got it, right? You can't give anything away if you haven't got it. If you haven't got a dollar bill in your pocket tonight, you can't give it away. That's right. Before you can give anything, you've got to get that dollar bill, right? Spiritually, the same thing is true, class. Peter said, such as I have, I give. And boy, that's our lives. Jesus Christ bled out his life for us. He gave his life for us. He died for us. He redeemed us from all the powers of hell. Jesus Christ gave himself. Then when I am born again of God's spirit class, the least I can do is to give my life for God's people. That's right. I do not think that it's singularly important how long I live. I think it's important the quality of a man or woman's life. That's right. If longevity or the length of a man or woman's life is the criteria of their greatness, then Jesus Christ was a flop. He died someplace around 33. So were some of the other great men of God like Paul, like Andrew, like James, like John. Men who gave their lives that you and I could meet tonight in Sydney, Ohio at the Rock of Ages and hold forth that same word of God that those men held forth. All he said to that man was, silver and gold, I didn't bring you along. But such as I've got, such as I got and I got it, man, such as I got, I've got, I'll give to you. I'll, I'll give it to you. And he ministered to him. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Really something. Really something. In the name of Jesus Christ of what? Nazareth. Nazareth was a despised city. Remember the scripture, can any good thing come out of what? No. Far as the intellectual brains and the great spiritual leadership was concerned, religious leadership, nothing good could come out of Nazareth and yet it's in that name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that Peter said, get up and what? That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it isn't the town you come from that's important. What's important? What do you have on the inside, man? Right. I don't give a hoot if you're born on 16 other side of the tracks. God can bring you on the right track when you get born again of God's spirit, baby. <laughs> Maybe Jesus Christ was from Nazareth. Maybe he was born in a stable instead of a palace. But I want to tell you, he was God's son from heaven with power. 
So it's not important where you're born. It's important that you get born again with the power of God in you and Christ setting you free upon his God's high places. And ladies and gentlemen, we're already seated in the heavenlies looking down upon the stupidity that's going on among the unbelievers. <laughs> Not only is there revelation here, but there is inspired action. Inspired action is God working within you to will and to do his good pleasure, and you just do it on that spur of the moment. You just do it. That's the next verse. He, Peter, took him by the what? Right hand and lifted him up. Peter just reached down his right hand and he picked him up. That's all he did. Just reached down his hand and what? Picked him up. That was inspired action. A lot of times in the past, people have said to me, well, why do you do so and so? Don't ask me. I don't know. I just do it. And then people watch me at times when I pray for people to see, does he lay his hand like that or does he lay it like that? Does he keep his fingers together or does he expand them? Right. Inspired action, sir. He just reached down and picked him up. Just took him by the hand and lifted him up. And it says, and immediately. That makes it a miracle of healing. There are four different types of healing in the Bible, which I teach in the advanced class. Some of you know all about. But whenever it's a miracle of healing, it's always instantaneous. Immediately means right away, booms quick now. That's immediate. Immediately, immediately. Now, if there's a recovery and healing, it takes time. If there is a cure, there's a cause that has to be removed. This was a miracle of healing because immediately, immediately, his ankle bones received what? Here's a boy who came from the factory with parts missing. Something missing in his body and God had to put it back in there with the believing of Peter and John. That's how he got his ankle bones in there and strengthened. Right. And right afterwards in verse 8, he became a real shouting believer. He leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising what? Quite a record, isn't it? As soon as he got delivered, he moved out. He walked in the temple. He leaped. He praised God. You see, back in verse 47, who was praising God? The apostles, remember? 247, praising God, having favor. Now this fellow's praising God. Well, why not? He just got delivered. Anytime God delivers any of us, we're always praising who? That's right, because we never had it before that. Nothing to praise God about when we didn't get the deliverance. 
It's in the deliverance that the praising God comes. He didn't praise Peter. Thank God who has given such power unto what? Men. Peter and John, such as I have, I give. But they didn't, they didn't praise Peter. He didn't praise Peter. They praised who? Whenever the true word of God is taught and held forth to people, you hold it forth, they're not going to praise you. They're going to thank God for you, but they're going to praise God, the true God. They're going to thank God for your life for your commitment, but they're going to praise the true God because he gave such power unto men, unto you. That's right. And all the people saw him walking and what? <laughs> and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had what? They were filled with wonder and amazement. Their eyeballs flipped. That's right. They were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had occurred. And then, of course, because the lame man was healed, and he wasn't a Christian, he wasn't born again. He got healed before he got born again. God's deliverance is to men who believe when they believe. Christian or non-Christian. Took me years of research to get rid of all the baloney stuff to see that the laws of healing of God are so ingrained within the human body and the world that God honors the believing of the unbeliever when it comes to healing. The law of believing. If you believe tonight, that touching this horn of plenty would heal you, you'd get healed. Not because the horn of plenty has any healing in it, but because of your what? Believing. That's the law. That's the law. <laughs> By the way, the reason they laid those horns of plenty up here was I heard some of you were going home tomorrow. I don't know how you can go home tomorrow unless the kingdom's coming over at someplace else. But... If you're going home, because of the blessing I want you to have, you come down and you put an abundant sharing in here before you go home, because Sunday night we're going to have an abundant sharing. And I don't want you to miss the blessing. So you do it, what the down here says. And if you're an unbeliever, take some out and take it home with you. I don't care. The principle of teaching healing people is just fantastic. And I had to go through, wade through all of this, plus the word, to finally get to the place that we have a little bit of understanding, at least, of deliverance according to the word. And the deliverance of God's word is not contradicted by the world at all. There's no problem. I think I told you last night, a doctor can set a broken arm, but he can't heal it. Then they, the whole class, the whole creation would have to be changed by God Almighty regarding healing if these laws of God were not true. 
You take the smallest splinter, you get it under your nail, your fingernail. That smallest splinter you would die from if God had not put healing as a great truth and reality in your life and in the whole life of the world. Because the moment that splinter hits that thing, your mind says or something says, ouch! And by that time, everything's been triggered, and boy, they start rushing to that. Millions and millions and millions of little white corpuscles or something. And everyone hits that old splinter in there, boom, boom, another one, boom, boom. Then they hit it by the millions, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and every one of those white trips hitting that splinter dies so that you can live. We call it matter or pus. They all laid down their life, ma'am, right around that little splinter. And there's a remarkable thing about this too. They just keep bombarding and dying and dying and dying until finally the bombardment is so hard it begins to push the splinter out. They laid down their life so that you can live because God so made the human body. He so developed that human body. That's how it's made. I was standing one time in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, at a place where a man was teaching, and a woman brought a very emaciated, crippled child down. And he said to her, Honey, I'm not ministering here, I'm teaching, I don't want you to bring that kid down here. She never paid one lousy bit of attention to what he said. She just kept right on coming. And he walked back, he walked back about this far, and the woman came and she laid that baby right down here where he had been standing. And in less than a twinkling of an eye, I saw those limbs go like that and the baby was completely healed. You don't think that shook my brains? It not only shook them, it rattled them. I couldn't understand at that time. I didn't have enough yet of the greatness of the word. I didn't know all the great laws. You know why that baby got delivered? Because that woman said later, and I, with her own mouth, Mrs. Wirwa, I think, heard this. He, she said, if, if I can just lay it where that man who was teaching the word stood, I think my baby's going to be healed. She laid it down where the man stood. The baby was delivered. That's right. I've been at a place where a man had a glass eye. He believed he's going to see, and right today yet, he sees perfectly through a glass eye. Right. I do not believe that that particular miracle was really as astounding to this advanced class that I just taught because I showed them a film which has just been done within the last year or so in the medical field, the scientific field, and how the mind works and how much stuff is up here that nobody knows very little about, but they know things are happening. Even so that if this thing can be stimulated properly, the deaf can hear. They're getting to that place. We've known it all along because the Word said so. We couldn't explain it. We just know it works. You know, electricity, I can't explain it either. Stupid stuff works sometimes. <laughs> and I'm real grateful when I want to read the Word to have electricity tonight because I couldn't quote much of it. So 
You see, these are some of the great laws, people. This is why this to me is a fantastic record. In order to minister healing here, Peter and John, if you'll remember in Acts 2, it says they spoke in tongues. And they were in the temple daily, and they were worshiping God from house to house. And if you'll read it carefully in the Word, not only did they speak in tongues, but they went to believers' meetings where they would interpret. And they would have a word of prophecy. Because tongues, speaking in tongues in my private life, edifies my spirit spiritually, right? But when I'm in a believer's meeting, I edify others or I get edified in the spirit? No, in my mind. By the interpretation and the word of what? Just like tonight when our four people were up there. That's God speaking now. I've shown you there had to be a word of knowledge. The word of knowledge to tell him what the score was on the man. You don't see, you don't see Peter saying, uh, hey, uh, here's a piece of paper. Write down what's the matter with you. Put your name down here. Tell me what's the matter with you. What kind of, uh, what, what kind of x-rays did you have? No, 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 no. The reason Peter didn't have to have anybody write it out, he had a connection. And that connection's word of knowledge, one of the manifestations of the Spirit. God told him what the score was. Word of wisdom is knowledge applied. God, by word of wisdom, told him now is the time. This is it, baby. That's why he fastened his eyes and said, look on us. Word of wisdom. In order to know that this man was lame and that it was not due to a devil spirit, he had to operate a manifestation called discerning of what? Spirits. That's how he knew he didn't have any spirit to cast out. No spirit to cast out. So far, we got tongues, interpretation, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. When God gave the revelation to him, now Peter had to believe that it would come to pass what God had shown him and that Peter would believe it to carry it out and that is the manifestation of faith or believing in the word of God. The man was lame, he got up, he jumped around, he ran, right? That is healing the manifestation of healing. And it was a miracle of healing because the word says it happened immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, in those few verses that I've read to you at the Rock of Ages here on this wonderful Thursday night are enwrapped, enrolled within it, not only the new birth, but all nine of the manifestations of the Spirit in one little section of God's word. <laughs> and every born-again believer has the possibility latent within them to operate all nine manifestations of the Spirit. If I don't, it can only be due to two reasons. Either I do not know how, or number two, I do not want to. It isn't that I haven't got it. 
Every person born again of God's Spirit could speak in tongues right pronto booms quick, right? Sure. Why don't they? They either have not been taught or they don't want to. The greatest thing I see in our country today is just the teaching of the Word that people again learn to know their sonship rights, to know their legal rights, to know their power of attorney, to know who they are in Christ Jesus, to know how to operate manifestations, how to pray, how to believe, how to walk. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need anybody to tell us we're sinners. We know that, right? We don't need to, for anybody to tell us that we need more believing. We know that. The only way you can ever get more believing is to get more of God's Word, people, and put it on in the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish I could teach God's Word better to you. Every time I teach, I cry within. I just have such a limited vocabulary. I just cannot teach it like I feel it. God, if you could feel what I feel inside, if I had words for it, it'd just blow you out. I just don't have it. But all I can do is the same, all you can do is you do your best for people, right? Just like I've shown you the greatness of this Word tonight. To me, it's much bigger than I'm able to show it. But I've shown you at least a little of what I know about it and what I see in it. But the Word to me is always bigger than any man teaching it. Because it's God's wonderful matchless Word which He magnified above all His what? Class, want to say something else to you tonight. I know deliverance is available to every believer. I know that. But I'd like to set something in your mind just to let you know how much God loves you. Suppose you live for 30, 40 years and you never got delivered. But if you're born again of God's Spirit, you got what? Eternal life. I would never allow the adversary to condemn me because I'm not delivered. I would continue praising God for the greatest deliverance in the entire world, and that's the new birth. Christ gave you the hope of glory. I thank God for the deliverances among our people, and you know that. But I also know that all the greatest believers of all time have died. Abraham, Paul. No man or woman will live any longer than they believe to live. But people, there's one thing the adversary can never do again, and that is to defeat God because the new birth is a birth. We belong to God. God is our Father. We're His kids, His children, and we have eternal life, which is a lot longer than physical life. Boy, what a tremendous truth.
This is why, as a body of believers, we just praise the Lord. We just walk with the greatness of God and of his power. Just day after day declaring the word and believing with the best we've got. And people, when I need any help, I'm not ashamed to ask someone else. I'm not ashamed to go to a believer like our sister said tonight she did. She went to a twig leader, branch leader. Then she even decided to come to international headquarters, I believe. And it was Rosalie that really laid something on her. You see, people, that's the family. Oh, God, that's the family. I wish you'd understand it. It's the family. We love one another. We're tender with one another. We're forgiving of one another. We don't rip up our fellow believers. We don't take a crack at them. We stand together as a family against the enemy. You know, it's like an earthly family in one respect. When my Don and Karen and Mary and JP and Sarah and their, you know, children, the grandchildren, when they all feel real good, I walk a lot easier. But boy, when one of my children gets sick or they get hurt, then I get hurt too. But that's not when I run away. That's when I stay put with my family. I may be hurt, they're being hurt, but boy, we just don't give up on the family. That's right. <laughs> there's another wonderful thing about this household. Now, JP and I may stand and argue. I haven't done that for a long time, have we, son? <laughs> but let's just say we did. He and I had a good argument. He'd still be my son and I'm still his what? That's right. In our household, we can fight if we want to, but don't you let anybody from the outside come along and tell me my JP is an income boom. I'll suck the hell out of him. <laughs> so, That's why I stand for you, way believers. That's right. I'll stand for you. I'll die for you. I'll do anything for you because you belong to God's family. And because you belong to God's family, you're God's best. And I'm not going to let the unbeliever tell me you're not. Whenever he says something, I say, shut up. Right. <laughs> Had a couple letters this year, you know, complaining about my W.O.W.s. They were doing something on the field that they didn't think should be done. Well, I didn't think they should have done it either, but I want to tell you something, I wouldn't admit that to them. <laughs> That's right. Why? Because we're a household, we're a family. And if J.P. would be wrong, I wouldn't admit it to you. But you know what I'd do with J.P. when I got him in a corner? I'd say, look, son, you blew it. Next time, don't blow it. That's what I did with my W.O.W.s. 
People, if you and I don't stand together in spite of our weaknesses, we're going to die without winning anything. I think we ought to stand for God and for one another. Right. You'll bet your life. 